Hey, it's Anita and this is the Anita Posh Show. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Anita Posh Show, where it is my pleasure to keep you up to date with topics around Bitcoin on a global stage and also the local impact it has on people like you and me. My guest today is Abe Cambridge. He's the founder and CEO of Sun Exchange, the world's first peer-to-peer -peer solar leasing platform. And we are going to talk about what this has to do with Bitcoin. But before, I want to take the time to thank some listeners of me. I want to thank Enzo, who sent me a voice message, Tish, Seed Signer, Guy, Escapee, Peter and Rob, for your positive feedback on my last episodes. And I also welcome all my new followers and subscribers to my weekly newsletter. Please subscribe to my podcast now if you want to join all those people. Open your podcast player app, search for my name for Anita Posh with a C and hit subscribe. You might be subscribed to the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network already, which is great, but you are missing out on extra episodes that I'm releasing on the Anita Posh feed only. You can find all the links to subscribe to my work at anita.link forward slash subscribe. And now a short word from my sponsors and then on to the show. Enjoy. Local Bitcoins is an easy, fast and safe way to buy and sell Bitcoin directly from person to person. Join Local Bitcoins to bring Bitcoin everywhere and secure your financial freedom. Winter is ending, spring is coming, but your crypto storage shouldn't melt like snow and keep cool. The safest way of storing cryptocurrencies long term is offline in a physical way. That's why Coinfinity developed the Card Wallet, the professional cold storage solution. The Card Wallet supports various security features, such as high-quality materials and tamper-proof features, which prevent the manipulation of the card. Get yourself a Card Wallet now. You will get 20% off if you order at cardwallet.com slash Anita. That's cardwallet.com slash Anita. Do you want to stay up to date with the things that happen in Bitcoin from my point of view? Then subscribe to Anita's Weekly, my newsletter with articles, videos, quotes, short tips on how to use Bitcoin and all that for free. Subscribe to Anita's Weekly at anita.link slash weekly. Hello, welcome Abe Cambridge. Good to have you here. And you, Anita. It's great to be here. It's really great that this worked out finally because I know Sun Exchange. I think from the very beginning I was uh, doing or researching the Bitcoin space, I think 2017 or 18 already. And I always thought, what an interesting project. I need to get Abe onto my show. <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it's, great. it's great to be here. Thank you. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. What have you done before you founded the Sun Exchange? So my background is in climate change science. I did a, a master's degree in the science of climate change at the University of East Anglia in the UK. UEA is like one of the leading uh, academic places for climate change science. But after about the first term or semester of doing my master's degree, I realized that you know this, this problem that humanity is facing 
is real and it's almost pointless to keep increasing our precision of understanding of the problem when there's obviously a problem. So I then started moving towards analysing the environmental impact of businesses and their energy, particularly their energy use. And it really came down to the fact that I did an audit of my university and energy was like the biggest impact uh, that it was having on, on the environment. So I then started studying solar energy feasibility and this is about 2007 and 2008. Um, in fact, the only country in the world that had actually harnessed solar energy at that point was Germany. Um, and I was inspired by a lot of the models that were going on in Germany, particularly related to community-owned solar projects. And with that kind of information and um, insight into the solar industry, I realised that actually this was about to happen in the UK. There was about to be a, a boom in, in uh, the economics of solar were about to become viable in the United Kingdom. So I finished my studies early um, and then went and uh, got a job as a solar panel installer. Like literally on the roof of, uh, of buildings um, in 2008. In fact, the first project I did was strip a roof of concrete tiles and replace them with a solar tile product 12 years before Tesla announced such a product. And so I was quite ahead of the, the game in, in, in terms of solar technology. And then I set up a, a, a cooperative solar installation company, a sort of work-owned cooperative. And as a cooperative business, we were naturally gravitated towards cooperative type projects, which included community-owned solar projects for local libraries and low-income housing, etc. But the problem with cooperative models and structures is they're incredibly bureaucratic and, and administratively burdensome. Eventually, just to just cut to how I got to, to be part of Sun Exchange, start Sun Exchange rather, the UK government illegally retrospectively changed feed and tariff subsidies in the UK in 2000 and I think it was about 12, 13. So they basically took the, they pulled the rug under the feet of, of the solar industry and I had to liquidate one of my solar companies there. Uh, and then I realised actually the future of the solar industry has to be in a country where there is a lot of sun and doesn't rely on government subsidy. Um, and that brought me, by a matter of fate, to South Africa. Um, and as soon as I arrived in South Africa, I realised, OK, there is no solar panels on the roofs in this country, which is insane because there's so much sunlight, twice as much sunlight here as in, in, in Germany or, or the United Kingdom. I realised that the one thing that was preventing this was access to finance. And that is where cryptocurrency came in. Exactly. And how did you find out about Bitcoin in the first place? Well, funnily enough, I was actually interested in alternative currencies back in 2007, 2008. One of the things that, that the alternative currency, which I first became aware of, was a currency in Argentina, which was money that had an expiry date. Like you literally had to spend money within a period of time. Otherwise, it was worthless to encourage circulation and a, and a velocity of money. And around that time, I, I, realized, I read a, a new scientist article on cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in particular, even prior to it, the Genesis block being laid down. And I, so I was following the story of Bitcoin from the very, very beginning. I watched the price go up and I celebrated with my friends when it got to a dollar, but had never actually never bought any Bitcoin. It was only when I got to South Africa and then started to send money back home to the UK. And I had to queue up in order to do, to send money from a South African bank to the UK. You've got to get permissions from the Reserve Bank. And then you have, every time you make a transaction, you have to, with a pen and paper, fill in forms and take your lunch break off and go and queue up and submit the form over the counter, which they then enter into a computer. And then you've got to wait several days for the payment to hit in the UK and bear the currency volatility and, and fees in the meantime. So that's what I was doing for a couple of months. And then I realized, why am I doing this? 
when, I, when I've been supporting Bitcoin, I know what Bitcoin can do, but I've never actually utilized it for what it was intended for. And I, one of my good, good friends back in the UK who was actually coding in, on, in Bitcoin, he was part of very early members of the, the Bitcoin um, Foundation. He said, just send this, buy some Bitcoin and send it to me and I'll, I'll send it back to you and you'll see how quick it was. And I bought a, you know, a couple of hundred rounds worth of Bitcoin back in 2014, sent it to my friend in London. I had it back in my wallet 20 minutes later, almost exactly the same amount it started with. And it was a small amount of money. And then the kind of the, the, the penny dropped that if we were to, or the Satoshi dropped rather, that if you were to, if you were to blend these two problems, i.e. there's buildings in South Africa that need solar panels, meeting the demand of people around the world that want to own solar panels, but don't live in places that are ideal for them. And if you now combine this financial system of Bitcoin being this completely global peer-to-peer payment system that's working microtransactions really fast, and borderless, that opens a, a tiny new business model um, of remote ownership of solar panels in a completely universal manner. And I proposed this, I just said to a friend at a barbecue slash Bry, Bry is South African barbecue, if you're not aware. And, and I said to him, look, I'm gonna set a business up that involves Bitcoin, crowdsourcing and solar. I don't know what it is, but there's something in there. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna start this night. I, um, I spent about 18 months in my spare time setting up Sun Exchange when I was being employed by a solar engineering consulting firm. And um, in 2015, um, so 2014, I received some support from Microsoft BizSpark program to help conceptualize um, the business idea. Um, and I was assigned some business mentors. And in 2015, I launched Sun Exchange on Indiegogo. Oh, okay. So you crowdsourced it really. Yeah, I crowdfunded the existence Fun-funded. of, of yeah. Sun Exchange. Yeah, crowdfunded, crowdfunded um, Sun Exchange into existence on Indiegogo, and that was uh, prior to us launching our pilot project. And the, our pilot solar project was launched in April 2016 to solar power the Stellenbosch Waldorf School. And I particularly deliberately targeted a school as our first project because it has the most profound impact in terms of our society. And if you're going to transition any sector to solar energy and giving lower cost energy, I felt the education sector is probably the most important one, especially as you've got kids as young as seven years old growing up now, seeing their education being powered by solar energy. And not only that, but because Sun Exchange allows micro ownership of the solar panels, um, there are children in the Stellenbosch Wardle School who were purchased solar panels by their parents and they're earning Bitcoin once per month from them. So you've wow. got kids who are growing up, earning Bitcoin, powering their own school, and know that energy works. And that's for me, that was an extremely uh, profound entry point in, for Sun Exchange to, to start. That's fantastic. But how does this work? Because at first I thought Sun Exchange is mining Bitcoin, but that's not what you do. So can you explain to us how your projects work? How are they set up mm. and what's the function of Bitcoin in this, in your work? Yeah, we are not mining Bitcoin. We are not running mining hardware. Uh, we are allowing people such as yourself or anyone listening to this podcast um, can purchase a solar panel through the sunexchange.com. And then you can then lease that solar panel to an energy consumer in a sunny emerging market. So somewhere right now, we've got projects in Zimbabwe, for example, um, a, a very large project for a, a part of the coal chain and agriculture. So your solar panel will be deployed onto the roof of, of that project. And the user of that solar panel, i.e. the energy consumer, will pay you for every kilowatt hour of electricity your solar panel produces. Now we collect that, that payment and we convert it to Bitcoin and put it into your Sun Exchange hot wallet, which you can then use to withdraw into your own home currency if you wish to, or keep it in Bitcoin, 
or you can utilize it to, to spend on more solar panels. So you could use your earnings to buy more solar panels, therefore increasing the size of your array and it's basically compounding your monthly income. But the reason why we choose Bitcoin is because it's universal. It allows us to use one payment system, which the whole planet can interact with, with zero friction and in microscopic amounts, because we are working on a micro ownership of solar panels. So per solar cell, a solar cell is like a, a three and a half by three inch mini solar panel, basically. People can buy thousands of them if they wish to, but the unit the units are, are small. So if someone buys a single solar cell, the actual payments they're receiving once per month are really tiny, which would make it impossible to, to send that, that tiny payment if we're using SWIFT or, or EFT, for example. By using Bitcoin, we, can, we now can send microscopic transactions and it, it makes that whole micro-ownership model uh, feasible, which is I think, very important because we want to open up panel ownership to everyone, not just people who are lucky enough to have you know, enough money for a whole solar plant and own their own home. People on low incomes who don't have their own home or live in apartments they now can own solar panels through Sun Exchange with 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 as little as five dollars. Oh, that's great! And are you using the Lightning Network for that, or are you like sending, accumulating these micro payments and sending them over the Bitcoin blockchain? Then, so right now we are accumulating in hot wallet. So people's uh, Bitcoin are accumulating in their Sun Exchange hot wallet. So it's like an off chain transaction. And they can, if they use it to purchase more solar panels, it's, again, it's off chain, which actually goes through Luno, which is the local cryptocurrency mm -hmm. exchange. They can then withdraw their money, but they have to pay the Bitcoin blockchain transaction fee. Um, we would love to set up a Lightning wallet, but of course, the recipient that needs to also have a Lightning wallet open as well. And you know, it's something that absolutely we will, we, we will move to. But in the meantime, we're simulating real-time earnings by just putting the money into their wallet. They, they, they can... But they have to pay the fee to withdraw it. Getting back to Bitcoin and South Africa in general, can you tell us a little bit about the Bitcoin scene or space in 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 South Africa? Are people using it like regular people? What do you see here? I see that it the uptake is really quite phenomenal. It's not like mainstream, but I'd say if you, I think I've seen some statistics that the actual number of users per capita South Africa, I think, is the, the top in the world. And I think in like terms of like Google Trend Analytics, like Bitcoin search terms in Cape Town specifically has got one of the highest in, in, in proportion in the world. And I think it speaks to the fact that there's a lot of people from, from other African nations working in South Africa that are looking to send money back home. And the alternatives were very expensive. You know, the you know, Western Union and those kinds of remittance services are very expensive. And for those who are unbanked, so those who do not have a bank account in their home country, it's, it would be impossible for them to use such services, if, especially if they're on the banking system. And so they often move, move to more, more grey market or even black market remittance services. So giving hard currency to people to move money over borders was is, can actually be dangerous and uh, the chance of losing your money entirely if you get robbed. So people sending Bitcoin was a really fantastic way for people to send money around the continent. And so I think that's probably one of the driving forces behind it. And also, South Africa typically is actually very an entrepreneurial country. The banking system is advanced in, in African standards, but is also a very internet savvy country. So you know, people are you know, the people are connected. People are, are on top of technology. So I think the uh, the, the sort of realizations of the limits of the banking system have been solved by Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And if we talk a little bit about the future vision that you have for the world, combining solar power, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, what is your vision of the future? How will this change our lives? 
Okay, first thing, I think the transition of the Bitcoin network to a entirely renewable energy powered network, I think is inevitable for a start. And I mean, the, 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 the consequences of that are really quite remarkable. The fact that I mean, right now we're living in a world or have been living in a world where we rely on finite resources of fossil fuels, the cost of which increases over time. Um, and at the same time, we've been relying on centralised um, money distribution, i.e. through central banks, and they are printing money freely, and therefore devaluing our money, basically making the supply of money infinite, putting down the value of that money. So in, in the old system, uh, sorry, I have a dog scratching at the door. In the old system, you, you know, you've got finite energy, infinite money, and therefore the, the, the economics are detrimental in the long term because energy gets more expensive and money becomes more worth less. When you switch to a decentralized energy network based on solar panels, that energy cost will go down over time because the cheaper we get solar panel manufacturing and deployment, the cheaper the energy gets to manufacture. At the same time, with Bitcoin, we've now got a finite money supply, the value of which increases over time. So by switching from the complete inverse economic paradigm, you're then in a world of basically money becoming more valuable and energy getting cheaper. And the fact is that solar panels are silicon chips that produce electricity, which can be sold for money. And Bitcoin is just a silicon chip that produces money when it's fed with electricity. So they're really very parallel things. And the fact that the, the solar energy network is decentralized, it's embedded. Anybody can become a solar power generator or, or producer. And likewise, anyone can join a Bitcoin mining pool and, and start to create their own currency or hold a Bitcoin wallet and be their own bank. Now, these two worlds are really parallel with each other. They are symbols of, of the 21st century as we see it. So what you are you saying or suggesting that Bitcoin actually could help our environment so that we can switch from these uh, carbon-driven ecological disaster, basically, to a more uh, sustainable energy production and consumption? Put it this way, before I started Sun Exchange, I did a, one of my last tasks with my older employer at DNVGL was to do a feasibility study on how to solar power a gold mine in South Africa. It's called South Deep Gold Mine, by, operated by a company called Goldfields. And the, uh, in terms of this study, we had to look at the actual energy use of, of, Bitcoin, of, of gold mining. And it's staggering. Like the, the usage of mining gold is greater than the usage of mining Bitcoin worldwide still. And Bitcoin gets all the flack for it. And the, the fact is that gold is, is a reserve store of value. Yes, it does have some other properties which make it useful as a material, but Bitcoin has, it could be sent digitally. It could be used as an eternal store of record. Like they have different functions, but actually Bitcoin is more efficient and it doesn't necessarily require digging two kilometer tunnels in the ground and pump out water and and have people working in, in really quite dangerous, hostile conditions to, to, to mine gold. So as a store of value, it's actually much more efficient. And then you look at the, the, the system it's replacing, you know, international banks with you know, towers of concrete and glass air-conditioned buildings with thousands of people driving to and from obviously every day to, to run that, that system and there's many different layers of inefficiency. Bitcoin kind of makes a much more elegant single system for remittance and you know, the, the, the DeFi projects on it are going to replace traditional financial services. So I just see it, it's, a, it's a, it almost a complete, we work on a clean slate now. We can work on something much, much more efficient and can work and, and do away with the inefficiencies of the, the layers of, of financial technology that have been improved over decades, if not centuries, 
can now be can start started again with something much much more modern. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the facts behind solar energy? Because I think you in detail how much energy we are consuming around the world and how much energy like the the sun could produce or if we would be able to to use it. Okay, so let me one one interesting fact to connect the two um, narratives. So the Bitcoin net mining network is currently consuming around 72 terawatt hours of electricity a year. It's quite a lot of electricity. I'm not going to not going to uh, brush that over, but I put the actual value of Bitcoin right now over trillion dollar market cap. 0.5% of the Bitcoin market cap would be could be spent on solar powering the whole network. As in every single kilowatt hour that the Bitcoin mining network consumes, you could you could deploy enough solar panels to meet that entire energy demand. Uh, with 0.5% of the value of the market cap to make, I think, something around 40 gigawatts of solar panels. The worldwide now we have around 600 gigawatts of solar panels. So you're not even increasing the big, the solar network by more than 10% and you've met the electrical requirements of the Bitcoin network. But the the amount of sunlight that's available, I don't think we'll ever really be able to totally take advantage of. There's actually a scale of, of how advanced your civilization is depending on how much of your energy of the sun you can capture. I think it's called the the it's a, it's a Russian gentleman's name. I can't remember. I'm not going to mispronounce it anyway. But you know, we're, we're nowhere near on on harnessing the full power of the sun, and ultimately we are limited by the amount of sunlight per square meter that lands on the surface of the planet. That's like the, the speed limit of how much solar energy we can capture. So when people talk about increasing the efficiency of solar panels and why would you install a solar panel now and there's going to be a more efficient one coming along later, that argument is futile because you're still capped by the amount of sunlight available. You can't capture more than 100% of sunlight, which means you're capped at 1,500 watts per meter squared of, of, of energy uh, resource. And the efficiencies in, in solar are actually in the manufacturing techniques and the scale in which it's now being operated. So the actual energy embodied energy in making a solar panel is now paid back in much less than a year. And the materials that make up a solar panel are um, less energy intensive. And you move into to plastics and recycled plastics, particularly rather than aluminium and glass, where is where the industry is going. And beyond that, there's um, advancements in, in material science in uh, uh, semiconductor called graphene. And graphene is going to replace uh, silicon in silicon chips, which is much more e is easier to make. It's just made of carbon alone, arranged by in a, in a lattice using a laser beam or other techniques. And that's going to replace silicon, so it's much more energy efficient to make and still has the properties of silicon. Okay. So basically, renewable energy is or will be getting even cheaper than it is today and more efficient. That's, yeah. that's okay. correct. There's something even cheaper than, than solar energy and wind energy, and that's surplus solar energy and wind energy. So um, in, in Germany now, I know that there's been over the past few years that you've been 100% renewable energy powered at time, which basically means that there's that, that some wind farm operators are having to pay the grid to, to take the energy. There's no use for this energy, so they're having to literally pay to give it away. Mining firms, like Bitcoin mining firms, can go and tap into these surplus resources of, of renewable energy, which it's basically just, it's free energy. Yeah. I was, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so my, my, my point is that as solar and wind get cheaper and bearing in mind this is, a, this is a very important statistic people to understand because it's this happens so fast you blink and you miss how fast this, this industry is growing for um, two-thirds of the world's population will now find wind and solar cheap the cheapest form of energy that's two-thirds of the world's population wind and solar is now the cheapest form of energy on a levelized cost of energy basis and that basically means that for two-thirds of our population 
Bitcoin mining using renewables is the cheapest form of energy. And if you're living in a place where it's not the cheapest form of energy, then just put your mining hardware where it is. <laughs> and then you will find that, that the whole world will transition to renewables. It, it's actually inevitable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's also what uh, Sebastian Guspio was saying. He's a Bitcoin miner. I had uh, him as a guest in my last interview and he says uh, Bitcoin miners are basically subsidizing renewable energy plants because whenever they are building a new, let's say, hydrogen uh, power plant, they have too much, they have excess power and the miners are basically the buyers of the last resort. So they will buy the energy from them and they can go anywhere. As you said, everywhere around the world. Yeah. It's also right now we it's actually more economically viable to convert surplus energy to Bitcoin than it is to store in a battery. So especially in, in South Africa where your surplus energy can be exported to the grid, but you can pay you get paid less for exported energy than it's actually worth. So you might as well convert it into Bitcoin. We are very keen to solar power a large scale Bitcoin mine. We want to prove to the world that that it can and shall be being done. I'm sure there are many solar-powered Bitcoin mining operations already. I know there's a lot of hydro-powered ones and wind-powered ones and geothermal-powered ones. We want to solar-power a, a gold mine through Sun Exchange, sorry, a Bitcoin <laughs> mine through Sun Exchange. So if any Bitcoin mining operators listening to this, please get in touch with us. Oh, that's interesting because then I can connect you with Sebastien. Yeah, please do. Yeah, cool, cool. I don't, cool. I don't know where he operates, but we absolutely... In Africa. He, he's in African oh, countries as well, yeah. And he's, it's Fantastic. his, I think, uh, special pleasure to work in Africa. <laughs> Fantastic. The, the reality is that, especially in Africa, solar energy is the cheapest form of energy. And in terms of energy transition, the 650 million people in Africa don't have electricity connections. Mm -hmm. And for businesses, um, particularly large-scale industries, they're running generators, not grid connection. So it's not actually an energy transition. They're just getting the most advanced form of energy first, i.e. solar panels with storage, They're getting that first. They're not having to go through the waves of coal and then oil and then gas and nuclear and then back to wind again, like mm -hmm. we've seen in Europe. Yeah, they're literally getting cutting edge technology first. Yeah, they are leapfrogging. It's like with the with the internet connections, and they never had landline phones. They had a smartphone or a, a, a mobile phone first. Yeah. And exactly. And, and also banking. Some many people they skipped having a bank account and a bank card straight to having mobile money on a mobile phone. Yeah, exactly. And people here in Europe and in the US, they always tend to forget how big Africa is, how many young people there are, are living there and how they will change the world in the future. And I've been to Zimbabwe last year because I wanted to find out if and how people are using Bitcoin there. And I was experiencing what you were talking about now also that there is no electricity by day. So you, the electricity doesn't work. Uh, so you need your own generators. People have small solar, pa solar panels on their houses if they can afford it. And now speaking of Zimbabwe, <laughs> I saw that you also have a project in Zimbabwe now. And yeah. please tell us what it is and where it is and what you're doing there. Yeah, so it's we're solar powering or about to solar power, or rather you can solar power because Sun Exchange doesn't solar power anyone. It's the Sun Exchange community and, and platform users that that do the solar powering. You can solar power. It's called Nimbe Fresh, which is there is in Morandera in Zimbabwe. Nimbe Fresh is a it's the it's an aggregator of smallholder farmers' produce, which then gets into the international cold chain. So they sell their cooled goods 
to United Exports. United Exports gets those foodstuffs onto supermarket shelves across Europe, the Middle East and, and Southern Africa. So chances are if you've eaten blueberries from a supermarket shelf in, in Germany or the UK, you've eaten some produce from Nimbe Fresh. It's a very integral part. It's the start of the cold chain. Now, of course, because it's the cold chain, if they have electricity outages, the quality of their, of their product can drop off. If you've had an hour of electricity outage, the quality of your food can make it subpar grade and they lose money or even waste food entirely. So food could be rejected by United Exports if it's, if it's not been chilled permanently. And as a result of the Zimbabwe grid only being available for eight hours a day, they're running diesel generators at huge expense. So you actually opt to only run generators for a, a short period of time and then not operate for the rest of the time. So actually their operating hours have been reduced. So not only are they using expensive electricity to, when they want electricity, they actually have this huge operational cost of, of lack of unserved energy, which we are solving by providing them with a 500 kilowatt solar PV plant with one megawatt hour of battery storage. This is the biggest solar project that Sun Exchange has ever done. It's at least twice the value of any previous solar, Sun Exchange solar plant. And it, we've now sold over a million dollars worth of solar cells in this project. Um, there's a, a, a month left, so the, the crowd sale where you can buy your house ends at the 9th of April. And, and we've already crossed the mark where this is the largest crowdsourcing campaign that Africa has ever seen. Wow. Um, I mean, this is in any sector. I think there's a, a, comp a fintech company in Uganda that raised $1.01 million for a, for a campaign. Uh, this has already superseded that. Uh, it's the biggest crowd sale campaign of, of any sector and, uh, and you can get involved. And in Fresh, there obviously there are uh, political risks in Zimbabwe. So all of the business structure, the leasing agreements and the actual counterparty of us uh, leasing the solar plant, that's going in, that's through Botswana, which is one of the most stable political climates in, in on the African continent. Um, and it's how they do business. So all of their United Exports business is being done um, offshore, i.e. in Botswana, and that's where our leases are happening as well. And so in terms of like social and environmental impact, the, by your improving food security, not just in, in Africa, but even in, in Europe, you're improving your own food security by getting reducing the energy costs of doing so. You're improving jobs in Zimbabwe, which heavily relies on the agricultural sector. And you're also preventing you know, thousands of tons of CO2 from being emitted into the atmosphere from burning diesel generators. Uh, so there's every, everyone wins. And the actual value of the electricity you're supplying is being sold at around 17 US cents a kilowatt hour, which is actually quite expensive but their alternative is great, is much, much greater than that, like 45 US cents a kilowatt hour to, oh. to burn diesel. So you're cutting their costs by about 60% when you take into account their additional operating hours. And because that electricity you're producing is worth so much, we forecast the financial returns on this project, the internal rate of return, to be around 16.5% um, IRR. Uh, against the South African rand. Mm -hmm. Against the dollar, it's probably lower, it's probably about 12 to 13% internal rate of return. But if you can find me any product in your bank that can offer more than 1% uh, interest, I'd be impressed. I, I even saw in Germany there were negative interest accounts. You know, if you're sick of money not doing anything uh, or, or being invested into fossil fuel exploration or weapons manufacturing or animal testing, you don't know what your money is doing when it's in a, when it's in a fund. You've got no control over it. But through Sun Exchange, you know exactly what your money is doing. You've chosen the project you want to power. And our solar projects are all insured for fire, theft and damage. There's, there's um, warranties in place on the hardware. We build up maintenance reserves to look after the solar plant throughout its 20-year lifespan. So you can literally now, at the click of a button, own a solar panel remotely and earn, earn Bitcoin for 20 years from it. 
Mm -hmm. What a fascinating project, really. I'm, I'm applauding you for that, really. Yeah, it's, yeah, unspoken of. And how much would I, if I would like to invest in one of your, or more of your solar panels, how much would I need to pay? What's the smallest investment? And how long is the, con the con contract then uh, running? So the smallest unit you can buy is one single solar cell. The, in the Nimba Fresh project, I think that works out to around seven US dollars. We're talking like six euros mm -hmm. uh, per, per solar cell. Um, and then that is leased for 20 years. Now on our, on our website, on each project, on each solar project crowd sale page, there is like a calculator, which you can use to, to see what your forecast earnings will be from the electricity your solar cell is producing on a year by year basis. Now the value of your electricity will increase over time because it's increasing by inflation plus 1% um, on this particular project. So you're always going to be outpacing inflation on the value of the electricity that you're, you're supplying, which is why the value of your income is greater in, in, sort of year, in the later years than the early years. So your actual, if you want to compare, it's, it, it's not really a return. There's no interest being paid out. It's a, you're literally just selling electricity. So we can compare it to, to a return. But so you're, eight, you're probably about an 8%, 9% return in year one, but you're looking like 20, 25% return in year 20. So it like averages out around a between a 12 and 16% IRR, depending on which currency you're, you're spending. Okay. But what's mm -hmm. about, of course, because you're earning in Bitcoin, right? So that's the base, that's the base earnings. Because you can now accumulate in Bitcoin, you can dollar cost average into Bitcoin. So we've got customers that have been earning Bitcoin for three, four years, and they've now got a 400% return on original spend just in a few years while still having a hardware asset. I mean, no one really knew what Bitcoin was going to do. Of course, all the fundamentals point in the right direction, but no one really knows. Um, whoever Satoshi Nakamoto was, they could have actually revealed themselves and unlocked their Bitcoin wallet and could, could crash the whole network. We, we don't really know. So, it's, so there is an inherent risk in just investing into Bitcoin. There is, it's, it's unavoidable. But of course, it's all, every, everyone should have some Bitcoin. For, but many people that have, feel they've missed the boat and that $50,000 is just too high for them. They want to see it come down again, which they won't when it comes down again because they'll be scared when it comes down again. Actually, this is a fantastic way for people to start just accumulating Bitcoin on a month-by-month -month basis, irrespective of what the Bitcoin price is doing. They'll be earning whatever the rate is at, at that time. So it's a great way of dollar cost averaging a, a, an income stream paid in Bitcoin to increase your re mm -hmm. reflective returns even more than if you didn't earn in Bitcoin. But then I pay you in Bitcoin or I pay in my fiat currency? Most of our customers pay using um, their fiat currency with credit card or bank transfer. About 60% of the payments we receive for their sales are in fiat and about 30% come from Bitcoin. Now, for people, when it comes to earning, most people choose to earn in Bitcoin. So you can spend with a credit card and then earn in Bitcoin. But the people that are spending Bitcoin, I, I'd say are probably in, in two camps. One is people that have made, they're, they're basically exiting some of their profits. You know, they've, they've seen their Bitcoin profits come up so high. It's like, okay, let's just solidify some of this profit um, and buy something that's still going to do me good. It's still going to give me a return. But at least I've removed some of my, they've taken some profits off the table and given themselves an income stream, a passive income stream off the side of it. And the other side are people who realize that because the Bitcoin price in South Africa is always higher than the global Bitcoin price because the demand for Bitcoin in South Africa, if you buy Bitcoin to buy your cells, you actually get a discount of around three or 4%. So solar cells through selling exchange are cheaper if you buy with Bitcoin if they're in South Africa, which means that your IRR goes up. So some people literally just are buying Bitcoin to make the purchase rather than spending Bitcoin they're, they're holding. Mm -hmm. Understand, yeah. 
Before we come to the second part of our interview, a short message from local Bitcoins. It's the fact of the week. When you own some Bitcoin, there's nothing physical you can touch. By owning Bitcoin, you have the right to access the specific Bitcoin address records in the Bitcoin network and send Bitcoin to another address. This gives you full control of your money. That's not the case when you hold money in a bank account, since the bank only owes you the balance you see in your account and can loan your money to someone else. Bitcoin is a technology that has the potential to give financial access to many people around the world. But with freedom comes also responsibility. This means that you have to store the private key to your Bitcoin address securely since the Bitcoin protocol has no customer support that can retrieve your password. Thanks to local Bitcoins for the fact of the week. And so you already finished building the Nimbefresh plant or not? We only start construction once we've sold all the solar panels. Because this crowd sale event, is, we're basically pre-selling the solar panels that make up the project. And through us selling those solar panels as a marketplace, we as a business then have enough money to go and build the rest of the solar power plant. And then everyone's solar cells then get installed into that facility. This is the, the, one of the beautiful things about solar power projects is the actual time scale to construction is very minimal because they're on roof systems. They're what's called embedded generators. You know, we're not dealing with selling to the national grid. We're not dealing with red tape. There's no environmental permitting because it's all on a roof. It's basically once the crowd sale has ended, you could be earning cash flow in a month or two months. I predict with this project for Nimberfresh, it probably could be around June, uh, July, for people to see their, their cash flows starting. Uh, but with a smaller project like a, a spa supermarket, which we put so far in a lot of spa supermarkets, people from the end of the crowd sale to earning is about a month. Now, if you, and obviously this is, this is a long-term lease. It's a 20-year lease. Uh, so it's a long-term project. So, an equivalent kind of sector is property and real estate investing. Those are long-term leases. You have a tenant and they pay you rent once per month, which gives you an IRR. But of course, with a new build property development, it takes years to build it. Um, and sometimes don't even get built or huge budget overruns. Um, so you're actually avoiding the kind of the downfalls of real estate uh, investing and going something much, much faster. And of course, with a, with a greater environmental and social impact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what would I need to do now if I would like to invest? Go to your website and there I'll find a, a form? Yeah. Or? It should be pretty obvious what to do when you get to a website. If it's not, then we have not done our job properly because the point of Sonic Exchange is to make it open and, and easy for people to start producing solar power. So just go to thesunexchange.com and then you can sign up, find a solar project that you want to power, choose how many solar panels you want to own to power that project. If you wish to, you can make an, an order based on offsetting your own CO2 footprint. So if you can calculate what your CO2 footprint is, you can then calculate how many solar cells you need to purchase to offset your CO2. Mm -hmm. But then of course, by making that purchase, you're earning money. So this is a way to get paid to offset your carbon footprint rather than paying to offset your carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. um, and likewise, if you, one thing I, I like to do is when I take an internal flight um, to Johannesburg, I can just buy enough solar cells to offset the foot carbon footprint of that flight. And but in doing so, I basically get a discount on that flight price because my the purchase of those solar cells gives me a three times greater return than the purchase price. So I've actually now got my flight cheaper and offset my, my carbon footprint. Another thing people can do is just look to become like a net energy producer. So if you look at how much electricity you use at home, if you use, say, uh, 4,000 kilowatt hours a year, 
you know that if, you are, if you're producing 4,000 kilowatt hours through Sun Exchange, you're now a net energy producer. You, know, you literally just, you, you're getting paid for producing electricity on one side of the planet and you can now use that income to pay for your electricity bill at home. Mm-hmm. So that's one, also one way of looking at this. If, if you don't know how, we get asked, how many should I buy? Like, you can buy as many as you want, but it's just a good target for oneself is to, to try and get to be a net energy producer. Mm, great. I challenge everyone, all your listeners to, to be a net clean energy producer. Cool. And what are your plans for Sun Exchange in the coming months then when Nimba Fresh has been built and is running? What's the next? We're always launching new projects. We've got some projects coming up very soon to solar power, some more schools and some more supermarkets, um, projects in, in the tourism sector in Zimbabwe, which are also coming up. But the first, this project with Nimba Fresh is the first of three phases with them. This is their cold store and pack house. The next phase is for their, their farms and the, uh, and their water pumps. So the next stage is um, for Nimba Fresh. It's this is the first of three. And um, yeah, so people just keep an eye on the website and, and we have um, a very active Telegram community. Do uh, sign up to our YouTube channel as well because we produce a lot of video content on, and we do a, a series called SunX Diaries, which exposes people to you know, the performance of our solar projects to date, the stories that, that's going on with each solar project and also looking forward at what project we've got coming up. So I do suggest people to, to sign up to our, subscribe to our YouTube channel because um, we're releasing a new Sonic Diaries episode uh, very soon and you should uh, get kept informed. Cool, cool. And now coming, we're, we're reaching the end soon. And I would like to close with uh, some like more personal questions, entrepreneurial questions. So now <laughs> you founded this company. What are things like advice for people who want to found a company in the solar industry maybe or like something similar like, like you doing and maybe you also have some general advice on being an entrepreneur yeah i started something change in 2014 it wasn't my first company it was a solar installation company but they're two very different types of company because on one side of the solar installation company it's a service industry you, know, you do an installation you get paid for it do another installation, you get paid for it, but there's no recurring income. So it's a very different type of business model. Sun Exchange is a platform. So if we have users, it's all run digitally and we have margins. We're earning service fees from our projects whilst we're asleep because it's dark. But you know, theoretically, if I take a day off, we're still making money because the platform is running and the technology we're building is scalable. So there's no limit to how big Sun Exchange can be. So it's a completely different approach to a business, but as a result of being FinTech, um, it's globally applicable. It's globally scalable. So it's much more interesting sort of business to, to start, in my opinion, because it's it, there's no limit to how big it can be. A solar installation company, you're tied with your local area or if you're lucky, um, country. But the lessons I've learned were really quite quite a lot. I, I learned by doing. I didn't go to business school. I studied climate change science. So you know, you went, I went to the, the University of Life, the School of Hard Knocks. And so the, the two uh, biggest tips I can offer anyone looking to start a company. Number one, uh, don't start raising money from venture capitalists or, or investors outside of your own friend and family network until you've got at least a minimum viable product working with your first customers already in place and have, have actually generated revenue. Otherwise, you're going to be wasting each other's time. So you will hear the terms, you're too early for us over and over again. And it will be frustrating because by the time it's not too early and you've got a working business, you won't need their money. But really, you don't waste your time and theirs by trying to raise money until you've got an actual product built in your first customers. The best place to go to raise money, and which is what Sun Exchange did, was to go to Indiegogo and start a crowdfunding campaign and start a, a business that way. What's really great about that is that you can hone in your messaging. You get all the collateral for your business done, produced. 
You don't actually have to have a working product, but you need to be able to communicate what the product will be. And gauging from the, the uptake and interest in that campaign will give you an indication of how it likely your your company will be uptaken by the market. In Sun Exchange, we got customers from I think about sixty countries around the world through our Indiegogo campaign, which kind of highlighted to me that actually this is a, a business with with global interest. It's, it can actually have legs. So that was great. But I think the second thing is, and this is a very easy mistake to make with people, especially people that watch things like Shark Tank and Dragon's Den. Giving you know, I I want this for. X percent of your business. You know, I, I will start working for you. Give me 10% of your company. You cannot work in percentages of a company. A company has a number of shares. And yes, a number of shares can represent a percentage of the company at that time. But it's so easy to, when starting a business to, I did this myself, you enter into things called convertible notes and safes, which are investment agreements, which don't work in a fixed number of shares. You know, you end up issuing more shares later on or they're guaranteed a certain um, proportion of shares or, or whatever, it basically makes the equation impossible to work out. Someone, you've give, if you've agreed to give someone 10% of the company, you end up with these circular references, which are impossible to close out. Uh, and then it comes later and people then start knocking your door saying, well, you told me you'll get X percent of the company. It's like, well, it, it, it's actually impossible to do. Only promise people numbers of shares in your company if, and just and go from there because it will save you a lot of time and hassle uh, in the long run. And make sure when you are entering into, a, into safe agreements and convertible note agreements to have them reviewed and checked by a completely impartial lawyer um, so they can highlight, highlight to you issues with their terms, which it can be, it can be like half a sentence that can cause you know, huge costs to your company down the road. And uh, so just be careful of those. And I, guess, I think thirdly, I, mean, I, I said a couple of points, but I think mostly uh, third is just make sure you love what it is that you're starting. It's, it will be times when it's extremely trying emotionally uh, and, and personally and on straining your relationships. But if, you are, if you're a believer in, in your core product, you actually love what, it, what you're doing, it shouldn't, it sh- it, this should be the driver. That's it's one of the most important things. You've got to love what it is. Don't start a company if you don't absolutely completely believe 100% in that product because uh, you'd be able to tell. Not that I don't think anyone would start a business something they didn't enjoy doing, but um, just be warned. You've got, to live, you've got to live and breathe it. Yeah, that's great advice because there is this uh, like saying, do what you love, but actually it's mm. wrong. You've got to love what you do to endure, yeah. to have the endurance to to master all the obstacles uh, that uh, yeah, will be. A- yeah. There's a Japanese word called ikigai. Um, and ikigai is the center of a Venn diagram, which combines what you love doing with what you're good at, with how you can make money. And that center, that center point where you're meeting all of those requirements, that's your ikigai. So if you can make money from doing something that you're good at, that, that you enjoy, then pursue that. And everyone should try and find their, their ikigai. Exactly. Thank you very much for this fantastic uh, talk. I'm really curious what you're doing in the next years. I hope that maybe I can meet you one day in South Africa and even visit Nimbe Fresh because I was in Harare and it's not that far, but we'll see. And yes. I would love to take you on a tour of your, your solar cells. Wow, that would be of my solar cells. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm going to do you that can, now. <laughs> yeah, you can see them. No, you point to your say those cells are yours. Those yes. Ones, you I want my name on it. Can, no, I'm joking. Yeah, you can, you, we'll, we'll, no, we'll bring out a marker pen. We'll get you up on the roof and you can sign <laughs> your, your signature on the back of them. Yes, yeah, super. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Abe. And have a good day. No you too. Thank you very much. 
Thanks so much for joining the Anita Posh Show today to learn more about Bitcoin. You can find the show notes for this conversation on anita.link slash show. If you want to get the best stories in Bitcoin from my point of view in your mailbox, go to anita.link slash weekly and subscribe. And if you have a question or just want to send me some feedback, drop me a line at hello at anitaposh.com. See you next week when it's time for the Anita Posh Show. Music, start with yes, delicate beats. Content, idea and production, Anita Posh. <laughs>